Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. So glad that you decided to take this time to be with me today. Most of our Bibles have different headings for each chapter, sometimes for subsections of chapters. And in one of the versions that I like, the Passion Translation, in Colossians 1, starting with verse 20, it's titled, Heaven's Expectation. Now, remember that Heaven's Expectation. We're going to build towards that to the end of our little talk today. Heaven simply means the kingdom of God or God's realm. Heaven is here and now. It always has been. In you, around you, it's everywhere. It's the unseen and eternal realm that's above time and above space. It's not something in the sweet by and by one day somewhere out there. No, it's here now. It always has been. God knows and can see the beginning from the end. Look at what the prophet Isaiah prophesied, speaking for God. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember carefully the former things which I, God, did from ages past. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, there is no other one like me. I declare the end and the result from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things which have not yet been done, I say my purpose will be established, and I will do all that pleases me and fulfills my purpose. God knows the end of everything from the beginning. It already exists in the unseen and eternal realm. There is no time or space in the unseen or eternal realm. So what is God's expectation. God's expectation is that what he has already declared will happen in the end has already happened. He expects that his purpose will be established. What's his purpose? What is God's expectation of us individually and as a human race? Well, we're going to see in this very important passage in Scripture. Colossians 1, starting with verse 20. God initiated the reconciliation of all things to himself. Through the blood of the cross, God restored, past tense, the original harmony. His reign of peace now extends to every visible thing upon the earth, as well as those invisible things which are in the heavenly realm. 
The message translation says not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death. That's pretty staggering when you see that that has already happened. Now, some people are labeled universalist. They believe that in the end, everyone and everything will be saved. I don't believe that. I believe that everyone and everything has already been saved. That's what your book says, right? That's what scripture says. <laughs> we just looked at it. Second Corinthians 5.19, Paul writes this. God the Father was in Christ on the cross, reconciling the entire cosmos to himself, not counting people's sins against them, canceling them, and he has now committed us, you and me, to the message of reconciliation. That is telling people about their restoration to favor with God that's already happened. Now back to Colossians 1.20. Here's the, the Passion Translation. By the blood of his cross, 2,000 years ago, everything in heaven and earth, the unseen and the seen realms, is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. It's already happened, folks, for everyone and everything. Now, we talk in religion a lot about being saved. Are you saved? Can you be saved? Who's saved? Who's not? What would it take for everyone to be saved? Well, it would take someone, someone who has the ability to do that, to love and forgive and include and make whole and restore everyone. God would have to have both the desire to do that and the power. Well, Peter writes this, 2 Peter 3, 9. God doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. His will, God's will, the will of God, Peter says, is that everyone change their minds about God, themselves, and all people. So God has the desire to save everyone. That's his will. So he has the desire, he has the will to do that. Now, look at what Peter said in Acts 4.12. There is no one but Jesus who has the power to save us. He is the only one whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation. It's not that we must be saved or else. No, there's no else or else there. Jesus has the authority by which we must experience salvation. God says we must. And Jesus is the one who has the power to do that. God has the will and the desire for everyone to, quote, be saved, unquote, be made whole in every way. And he has the power to do it. That's what it takes, the will and the power. His purpose is that we must experience 
salvation, the Greek word sozo that we talked about last week, being made whole and right in every way. So God has the power and the desire to save everyone. So here's the question. Why would God not want to and not be able to save anyone? I'll wait. Crickets. Right. God made everything initially perfect, and he made us in his image and in his likeness. So what was the problem? Next verse in Colossians 1.21, the mirror translation says, your indifferent mindset alienated you from God, not God from you. It was your mindset into a lifestyle of annoyances, hardships, and labors. Yet God has now fully, this is past tense, God has now fully reconciled and restored you to your original design. He accomplished this in dying our death in a human body. He fully represented us in order to fully present us again in blameless innocence face to face with God. Again, where we really were originally, with no sense of guilt, suspicion, regret, or accusation. All charges against us, and that's what the law was, are officially canceled. The NIV says it this way. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, your your minds were messed up and you thought that because of things you did, you were separated from God. But no, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to make you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Passion says it this way in Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you, past tense, back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. This is all past tense. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. Did you know that? There is nothing between you and Father God. Everybody. Nothing between anybody. The problem wasn't sin or initial sin or total depravity. It was a false mindset. It was believing lies. Now, where does that false mindset come from? Where do we hear that we are separate from God? Where do we hear that God's angry at you? Where do we hear that God's going to punish us? Where do we hear that God has prepared a place of eternal conscious torment? Where do we hear that God can't stand to look at us or be around us? We hear that from darkness. Those are lies that cause us to believe in our minds that we are enemies with God. None of that's true. None of it. Not a single bit of it. God is pure light and in him there is no darkness. What does it mean to you that you are holy, without blemish, free from accusation, flawless, restored, with no sense of guilt, no suspicion, no regret, no accusation, that all charges are officially canceled. Have you ever thought about that? Isn't that the message we should be telling each other and all people? 
Verse 23, Colossians 1. Remain under the influence of what your faith knows to be true about you, firmly consolidated in the foundation of your belief, so that nothing can distract you from the expectation of the gospel. A hope, expectation and hope are the same Greek word, that is consistent with what you have heard, what you've just heard. What Paul's just written, just as I, the Apostle Paul, am in the ministry to proclaim the one and only message that rings true with resonance in all of creation and under heaven. He says heaven is the dimension of the invisible spiritual realm. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distorted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets this same message. And he says, I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. The Passion and other versions of Colossians 1.22 say that you are all these wonderful things, but then they add the word, if you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow on. Well, if you've been listening to me, you know by now that the word if is a very poor translation. The Greek word is E-I-G-E, and it can be translated different ways. It can be translated since, it can be translated as, it can be translated as if. Translators have the prerogative. In this context, after Paul has said all of these things are done and true and past tense, a translator would have to have a contrary agenda translator would have to be in the dark to say if and add a clause to what's already been done and true and declared and made possible by God. The verse goes on to say, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you believed in. And this is the glorious news, Paul says, that I preach all over the world. He continues in verse 24. I can even celebrate the sorrows that I've experienced on your behalf, for as I join with you in your difficulties, It helps you to discover what lacks in your understanding of the sufferings Jesus Christ experienced for his body, the church. Verse 25, this is the very reason, he says, I've been made a minister by the authority of God and a servant to his body, so that in his detailed plan, I would fully equip you with the capital W, Word of God. The capital Word of God, you know, is Jesus. It's what Jesus says to each of us individually. Verse 26, mankind's most sought-after quest, the mystery, which has remained elusive and concealed for ages. Now, this was written by Paul about 2,000 years ago. God revealed this to him. Mankind's most sought-after quest, the mystery, which has remained elusive and concealed for ages and generations, is now fully realized in our redeemed, blameless innocence. Mankind's most sought-after quest, what man has been doing from the beginning. We've been on this quest to know, is there a God? If so, what is God like? Is he good? Where is God, and how do we get to him? That's all revealed in this next verse, which is arguably the most important verse in the Bible. I'm not saying it is the most important, but I don't know of any that are more important. 
Colossians 1.27, within us, God is delighted to exhibit the priceless treasure of this glorious unveiling of Christ indwelling in order that every person on the planet, whoever they are, may now come to the greatest discovery of all time and recognize Christ in them as in a mirror. He is the desire of the nations and completes the nation's every expectation. The translator there, Francois Dutoit, says after that in his commentary, this is huge, exclamation point. What God was now able to disclose in the saints, starting with Paul, is immediately equally relevant in the nations, in everyone. Christ in everyone is the hope of glory. This is the mystery of the ages. This is what we were waiting for. See, Paul had written earlier, Galatians 1, 15 and 16. He said, God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son, Jesus, in me so that I might preach him in the Gentiles, everybody in the world. He said, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. You know why? Paul was smart. He was a brilliant guy. You go around telling people that God showed you that God, that Jesus is in all people and always has been, uh, you lose a lot of friends. Darkness can't tolerate that light. Darkness doesn't want to tolerate that. Darkness wants to believe that we have to do something to get God to come into us. We don't. It's always been there. Verse 26. The Passion says it this way. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for everyone to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know it. And we get to tell them. <laughs> Passion says it this way, 28 and 29. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being perfect in Christ Jesus. Oh, man, this is such good news. The mirror says this, this is our last verse today, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul writes this, Now we all, with new understanding, see ourselves in Christ as in a mirror. The days of window shopping are over. Walking by, looking at other people, wishing we could be like them. In him, every face is unveiled. In gazing with wonder at the blueprint of God displayed in human form, we suddenly realize that we're looking into a mirror where every feature of his image articulated in Christ is reflected within us. 
every feature. The Spirit of the Lord engineers this radical transformation. We are led from an inferior mindset to the revealed endorsement of our authentic identity. The Spirit of the Lord engineers this radical transformation. We are led from an inferior mindset to the revealed endorsement of our authentic identity, who we've always been. And then he writes this in parentheses. We've got our mask off, and God's brilliance is bouncing off our faces. We are glowing from knowing. I encourage you to write that down. Write it on your hand. Get that. We are glowing from knowing. Friends, when you know, when you come to the place where you know that you know that you know in your heart that Christ is in you and he's always been there and it was his doing since before the beginning of time, not anything that you had to do. When you know there's never been any separation between you and God. The only only problem has been in your mindset. When you know that, you just glow. You are glowing from knowing. Folks, this is the most exciting news there is. This is the really good news. And next week, what I've got to share with you is so exciting, so amazing, so earth-shattering. I can hardly wait till then, but I've got to. So having said that, I'll leave you glowing from knowing and see you next every time. Thanks, everybody. Love you all. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.